reaching across the country for the biggest sports news this weekend. From Atlanta to Seattle, from Boston to LA, this is Big Sports Radio. Never, ever, ever a shortage of drama in the sports world as we welcome yet uh, in again another week uh, of the show. I'm Larry Smith. He's Brad Sturdy. He is Mike Kegley. And uh, we are happy to have you here along for the ride. Next couple of hours, we have so much to talk about. Uh, we're going to really have a hear from Tony Altimore. If you, were, if, if you listen to the show quite a bit, uh, he's a strategy consultant that we went to in terms of the whole topsy-turvy world of the Pac-12, now the Pac-10, maybe soon to become the Pac-6. I mean, who knows? Um, those conversations ongoing, and we're going to get his thoughts with some things that happened this week and uh, ask him to give us uh, some perspective on that. Um, lots on the way, but we start with the big blockbuster of the week. And while we deal primarily in the college ranks, we got to step out because most of these guys were in college at one point, I guess. Um, the world of golf, really, um, you talk about turning the, its tee on its ear, uh, on its side, and uh, <laughs> just hitting a ball for many things out of bounds, uh, except for Jack Nicholas. <laughs> PGA Tour has been battling live golf, backed by the Saudi Arabian government, right? Uh, for the past couple of years, we've seen some of the biggest names in the PGA Tour take massive, massive deals, um, eight figure, nine figure deals to go play for live golf. And it's been this constant um, battle in terms of stealing talent. And if you go to live golf, you can't play in our majors and all this. Well, all of a sudden earlier this week, the PGA tour announces a merger of the two. Um, and this has really shocked the sports world in a number of ways. And guys, let's get into it right away here. Your thoughts on the new world of golf as we know it. So it, here's the deal. The first thing is, for the game of golf, this is fantastic in the sense that you're going to see the best players now back playing against each other on the right best events. And it's going to have like almost like a we can set up almost like a tiered system, much like every other sport that exists in the world. But the hypocrisy of the PGA Tour to consistently rip live golf for taking money from these People, I mean, the Phil Mickelson comments, I mean, how, being, you know, you know, working with these Saudi people and all these things, you can't say all this stuff and then go join them. Yeah. But I guess in our world today, money trumps all. And in this case, the Saudis have this $600 billion fund and they can invest it. And so, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Like, where guys end up, how guys go through this. What happens to those contracts that they had that they were guaranteed money? Are those contracts still valid? Do they still translate? And so these guys are guaranteed X number of dollars. What happens to the guys who chose to stay loyal to the PGA Tour, not go take the money? What, what happens to them? This is wild. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah, one almost wonders. You could see the PGA golfers, you know, are basically, um, they're contractors. They're not they're not employees. You know, if they really wanted to, Tiger could probably, you know, get a bunch of guys and start his own tour full of those folks if if they're mad, if they were upset enough. Mike, aren't they do they're doing that a little bit, right? In the off season. Aren't yeah. they doing like the stadium tour where Woods, McElroy, these guys are going in playing like virtual, like simulated golf on these here in these uh, traveling around and it's gonna be televised stuff. So they're kind of setting their they could have the Tiger could have his own tour. They could call it the Tiger Tour, well, and it would probably trump everything else. 
Yes, and and I will tell you, uh, you know, the speculation is the big thing, and and you know, I've heard several people say that the PGA coffers were a little bit thin coming out of the pandemic, and then running into the live lawsuit and the legal ramifications of that and trying to compete against those dollars really put them in a position where they were kind of afraid to be in a drawn out court battle. Who knows what's going on? But certainly when you look at hypocrisy, you know, and this is, this has got to be really, really high on the list and maybe even is the image that you'll see in the dictionary. Well, and I think I love what Scott Van Pelt of ESPN tweeted out when this happened. He said exactly what Brad just said. Okay, so for the past, you know, 18, 24 months, you've been saying to people, no, don't take these eight, nine-figure deals for the loyalty of the PGA Tour. And you're trying to go right back and do the exact same thing you just said don't do. And then he quotes uh, the uh, out of the immortal words of that uh, that fictional drug kingpin, Nino Brown, uh, <laughs> always business, B, nothing personal. So here's, but here's my it's question. It's true. I mean, it's, true. I mean, it, it, it's you're, you're exactly right. Here's what I want to ask you guys. What's the effect on sports overall? Because we already saw globally the feedback and the pushback when they had the, the world cup, right? When FIFA got into bed with them for the world cup, right? And there's a lot of, they, they survived that. Now you have one of the oldest traditional um, you know, sports iconic leagues in the PGA tour jumping in. The door is open now. What's this? Isn't just them buying a team. This is by them buying a league. This is like them saying, "By the way, we're now buying Major League Baseball, and all of you yeah, play." And, and you know, it's moving. It's moving that direction. Let's be honest. There's there's always more money out there, and if they can grab more money, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we look at the NBA. They won't say anything bad about China because they get so much money from China. I mean, there's like a. You know, this is what this is the wave of the future. So this shouldn't be like I guess this shouldn't be shocking to us because this is what we're at. It all comes. Where can we manipulate, get enough money from and, and make it so we make more money? You know, it's it's Gordon Gecko. I'm going to quote Gordon Gecko. Greed is good. Right. Well, and, and you look at it and there's just the, the when I think it'll really hit Americans because because golf doesn't have enough fans to support two leagues. We just found that out. But what happens if, you know, Jerry Jones decides he wants to sell the Cowboys and the Saudis come in and instead of offering 10 or 12 billion, they offer him 50, you know? And, and so then what happens when the Dallas Cowboys are owned by the Saudis or a Chinese company comes in and you know, wants to buy the New York Yankees or, or something like that. You know, the Chicago Bulls, you know, the, the Reinsdorf family decides to sell to, you know, the highest bidder, regardless if it's a Russian oligarch. Um, I think we're going to see something like that in the near future. And we'll just see how, how badly these owners want money. And I've, I've not yet seen them ever say no. <laughs> Never turned out. No, they're going to actually, the Saudis are going to buy Houston. And they're going to change back the name back to the Oilers, the Saudi <laughs> Houston Oilers. And, and we'll, we'll hear that Houston Oilers song every week. Exactly. It's, it's just um, Saudi Oilers. I, I love what ESPN, <laughs> they, they compared this to Nick Saban taking the Auburn job. It kind of is. I mean, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's like it's the Cardinals the, and Cubs merging. It's the Yankees yeah. and Red Sox. Yeah, no, 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 no. This was this was Hulk Hogan joining the NWO. We've already seen this before. There you it's go. Happened. Uh, but I'm gonna it go with what Cody says. Um, you know, if if Tiger and Rory decide to get together and do their own league, that would be interesting because that's enough power globally to to make something happen. Well, the commissioner, yeah. the commissioner doesn't have a, a players' union. It's just a bunch of of contractors, and yeah. they could very easily say, "Hey, you know, you cut a deal." We don't like it, but bye. And there's and and the, and the PGA is doesn't really have any assets other than that big headquarters down in Frisco, Texas. Are, yeah. are you guys shocked? Were you guys shocked that they made this agreement and like the players found out on Twitter? That's I mean, yeah. to me. That's I mean I'm not. I guess I shouldn't be shocked, but my shocked isn't the right word. I'm like, it's really a bad look for the players to find out on Twitter. And not know ahead of time. These are like the elite players. I get it if you're number 150 on the tour and you're just playing occasionally. But, you know, Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy. didn't know. Yeah. None of these guys knew. Yeah. Greg Norman. Yeah, he didn't know. Greg Norman, who's the CEO of Liv, didn't go. So this doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense the way it came down, I guess. I mean, you would think you'd want to have their input because the PGA Tour is supposed to be a players-led tour. It's supposed to be a players-led tour. And and it, clearly it was not in this case. Players led by the nose. Yeah, exactly. Well, but you know, but we we to, to me, what it says is that you knew if you let it leak, it would never happen. We saw this exactly. before when the Atlanta Braves announced when it leaked three hours before the announcement, they had already signed to build a new stadium in suburban Atlanta. I was down there at the time. None of us knew the Atlanta beat writers didn't know it was completely secret. Uh, nobody knew, even elected officials who had to sign off on it they didn't know and that's I'm, how this was so, i'm thinking that these these months months of negotiation were probably two or three people and once they had to expand the people who knew about it because you have to get the details down i think that's when they decided we better announce this because once we bring a few people in it's going to leak and so they got ahead of it and the fact that greg norman tiger woods you know, uh, these type of people weren't in the know is just mind boggling. I, I envision like, um, you know, when uh, the, was it Cleveland where they left in the middle of the night with, uh, you know, the, was the, the, the Colts. That's right. The Colts. That's right. The Colts. Yeah. The Colts. They left in the middle of the yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> They're gone. I'm out. <laughs> and I just envisioned to live or PGA tour guys. Right, let's get our stuff and get out of here. Uh, here at 10 o'clock tonight. Don't tell me, don't tell me what you're doing. All right. We're out of time. We're going to talk more about this later on this hour coming up. We'll talk with uh, Tony Altimore um, again, coming up here about the, um, the college uh, football and the big news this week that may shape the way you watch the game here in the next half decade. That's coming up next. Hey, Greg, what happened to the live logo? <laughs> Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800 448-0828. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828. 
Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. Keep it here. Dust off Will Smith's Welcome to Miami as that city gets ready to embrace a global superstar. And what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but it has to happen in Vegas first, right? We'll explain. Plus, the player who might have saved Michigan's season. All just ahead here on Big Sports Radio. Welcome back here to the show as we've been talking, uh, as you guys know, for the past several weeks and months, and it's not going anywhere anytime <laughs> soon. Uh, the issue of uh, alignment and, and expansion and TV money, et cetera, among the college of sports. Uh, you know, back in April, we had Tony Altimore, who was a, a strategy consultant and who really, if you follow him on Twitter, does a great job of really getting into uh, the nitty gritty of some of the stuff. With all things happening, we said, hey, let's get Tony back on the show. And he was gracious enough to come back on. Good to be back. Welcome back. Yeah. Hey, let's get started with, um, boy, so much to get to. Let's start with uh, the big thing earlier this week in terms of um, uh, a grant of rights. Well, let me me just start here. You've said all along, you don't think any other teams in the Pac-12 are leaving. And you say the events of this week stand by that. Let's start there. They do. So first of all, by the way, when I say, so when I say that I'm sort of combining uh, what the analysis would say, like what's the logical strategy if we look at, you know, what, what makes sense for the schools from a higher ed standpoint, and then combining that with the combination of media reporting and what I hear directly from contacts at schools. Now I don't play the little like sources game, like, oh, my regent is better than your equipment (laughs) manager. Uh, you know, so I, I don't play that those games. But as far as uh, I have been told by people since last summer that in, in the initial wake of USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten, the, everyone in the Pac-12 looked at every option, then came to the conclusion, particularly when the Big Ten said, no, we're not taking any of you, that the Pac-12 was going to stay together. That has continued to be reiterated. It was reiterated about it two hours before we were recording this by Arizona president, Dr. Bobby Robbins, uh, at a, they're having a huge sports summit, uh, right now today at Arizona state or the university of Arizona's Washington DC campus. And, you know, again, reiterated that the 10 members of the PAC 12 are very, very unified, uh, in, in their alignment with each other. Now, do you guys know about the AAU thing that happened this last week? Yes. Yeah, we do, but our audience may not, if you want to share that. So the American, uh, the Association of American Universities, the AAU, the super, super elite gathering of research institutions of which every Big Ten member except Nebraska is a member, and Nebraska used to be a member, uh, Arizona State was invited to join. And we, we may never know what kind of wacky backroom deals led to Arizona State, Miami, and Notre Dame being invited to join above Virginia Tech. Uh, North Carolina State, Florida State, and a few others who really thought that they were going to get in. So 
Again, we're not, we're, I mean, these are all amazing world-class institutions, but some questions have been raised. And Arizona State, and the funny thing too, is that Arizona had previously been a little bit mouthy about, even though we knew they were not going to go anywhere and we'd been told they weren't going to go anywhere, they were a little bit mouthy about like, oh, we have to see, we have to well, about a week before the ASU announcement, Arizona fell into line. And <laughs> Arizona all of a sudden started, uh, Dave Hickey, their athletic director, started going on multiple podcasts and saying, you know, we are united behind the Pac-12. We expect the deal will be fine for us. Of course, you know, if the world falls apart, you know, if there's a nuclear scenario, whatever. But Arizona very much fell in line. And with that, it was sort of, again, you know, again, reiterated that that the conference would stay together we were today uh and it i sort of had been told this beforehand um by a number of people but we also we got clear reporting today from sports illustrated from uh john canzano from the athletic that the pac-12 schools or the, the pac-10 schools have agreed agreed to their grant of rights agreement that they are absolutely staying together. We are expecting that they will immediately after they sign their media deal add San Diego State and SMU probably. And with that agreement are a couple of very interesting things. The first one is they're going to go to an unequal revenue share agreement, much like the ACC. That's groundbreaking. But here's the thing is it's actually what the conference used to do for most of its history. I don't know if you guys know this, but when the Pac-12 was founded, Pac-12 was founded in 1959 and then later added back its sort of enemies that they thought they had been mooching from uh, under a whole new agreement of unequal revenue share that benefited the schools that played on TV more often, how they structured it. And when Larry Scott came in with the Pac-12 network and Bill Moose, whose name is not well remembered in Pac-12 country, uh, just broke the whole place because they threw that out to the wind. In 2010, USC made more from the conference than Alabama did. Mm. Today, USC was making is making like a third of what Alabama or something, what, what Alabama is. So it just absolutely screwed the place up to go to the equal revenue sharing. So the Pac-12 is supposedly, according to reports today, going back to an unequal model. Now they will split the media, again, according to reports, they'll split the media money equally, but then have an uneven merit, and we're calling it merit-based, but uh, you know, win-based uh, allocation of the college football playoff money, which is going to get big really quick. That's wild. Because we, you know, we've talked about this before, about one of the issues with maybe like the Big Ten or SEC adding some schools is they don't want to share the money. Right. So they don't, is that, is that something that down the pike could come for the big 10 or SEC where they bring in partial membership or, you know, half money well, or whatever it might be. Well, here's a bigger question is quite honestly, uh, and due respect to our wonderful friends from Indiana and Rutgers and Minnesota and everything like that. But how much longer is it going to be before Michigan or Ohio state realize, Hey, <laughs> All of everyone's money is because, and USC and UCLA, all of everyone else's money is because of us. We would like a bit, if they can all have a bigger piece of their money, we would like a bigger piece of our money. And how long before the Big Ten at some point starts to have its own merit-based 
arrangement that says, you know what, if if you make college football playoff, you get an extra pick a number, 30 million, 40 million, whatever. And those of you going three and six in conference do not. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's and now the Big Ten, the Big Ten and the SEC have always been much better about equality. Uh, whereas the Pac-12 was always about um, USC and the Nine Dwarfs. Yeah, so they're they're a little bit like the old Southwest Conference with Texas being first amongst equals yeah. out there. Well, um, and they had they had although they had a little different relationship because you had the four California schools in Washington. Everyone else sort of just you know shut up and knew their place. And but like Berkeley being Imperial Berkeley even though they weren't good at football was sort of like able to be powerful and like, and, you know, until USC and UCLA shut up when they needed to. Well, one of the interesting things that I not, I don't know if this, there's any fact to this, but it seems like when you're, when reading the stories, it seems like the big 10 has shifted its gaze eastward to see what's going to happen with the ACC. Is there a chance that, that they could just load from the ACC and not go after any Pac-12 schools and essentially leave USC and UCLA out on the left coast kind of all by themselves, which early on, I guess a lot of people assumed, you know, they would, they would have other targets out there. So it's a good question. Um, and it's one, it's up to TV numbers. So, you know, the, 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 the question that sort of always gets asked is, is when people think about realignment for the big 10, is you have a couple of questions. The first one is, is really like, is this a school that is qualified as an institution? And, and second, and there, and there are a bunch that are like, right. Cause there are great schools. The big 10 is full of great schools. There is no more big 10 like school that I can think of in this country than the university of Washington. But then the second question is, uh, you know, do we want them strategically? And the third question is, will the TV people pay for it? We have been told, and I'm not in those rooms, so I, I can only just sort of repeat what we've been told, uh, but we've been told that the TV people have said none of the Pac-12 schools meet the, the TV valuation number that we need before Indiana and Minnesota and Rutgers start to have to chip in their own money. Um, now, the catch is that the Notre Dame, I'm told the line item pro rata for Notre Dame that is in the Big Ten's media contract is so large that it will absolutely cover Notre Dame and somebody else, whoever that would be. Because it's a very, very big number and everyone will make more money. Now the catch to that, so the question would be, you know, would would they take would they take somebody else or would Indiana Rutgers be like, you know, we'd really like all that money. We we don't know. But the, 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 the other issue is looking eastward. Uh, that's an area that the, the Big Ten doesn't really have a presence in, is in the southeast. That's a huge TV area market. You know, people talk a lot about, oh, the recruiting. Yeah, I guess that's sort of a thing. It's more of like an ancillary benefit, right? It's like, you know, it's like the mashed potatoes, but really this is all about the steak. Um, like, oh, great, there's mashed potatoes, but we're, you're ordering the steak. <laughs> so... As far as that goes, there are great schools that are very, very Big Ten-like. And now the big, big barrier has been the question of AAU because the 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 everyone said that, okay, well, the schools that we love are Notre Dame, who's not AAU, but sort of always had a little asterisk, like we'll be fine with them anyway. 
And then people said the Big Ten would love a Florida school. Well, the University of Florida is not leaving the SEC, so it's Florida State or Miami, neither of which are AAU. Your other options are the AAU schools of Virginia or North Carolina. Amazing, amazing universities. Very Big Ten-like. Also, absolutely nobody watches their football games. <laughs> no, I mean, abysmal, abysmal football ratings. And I, and I have friends from both, and I like actually sort of like cheer for both. I've been to state and taught at both of their campuses. So I love the Who's. I love Carolina, but just people don't watch their football games. They're valuation cannot be that big. Um, but then we had the bombshell, which was all of a sudden <laughs> Miami and Notre Dame were added to the AAU. And, and it just, it, 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 again, worthy, worthy institutions, but it made me really think, okay, the big 10. And, and when we say the big 10 would probably add Miami, probably not immediately, you know, maybe soon, maybe not, but it certainly clears the way. I mean, it might be 15 years. It might be five years. It might be tomorrow morning. We never know, but I don't, I don't know that they have a way out of the ACC, but certainly that opened the path. And, and the other thing, and I don't know, I, this really hasn't been talked about with, with all the AAU thing. You kind of had a very interesting uh, alignment with this AAU board that had two university of California members the chairman of the Big Ten, USC as the chairman of the AAU, and then two ACC members. So six out of ten were, you know, the you know the sort of the, the alliance schools, which is a really good allocation of leadership if you want to add in Arizona State, Notre Dame, and Miami. You know, I think that in talking to Tony Altimore, strategy consultant, who, if you follow him on Twitter, just does a great job of breaking this down in a very unique way. Um, and I think that's one thing we've talked about. Yeah, we, I think we've all been in agreement, really, since this began. The next domino is not going to fall for a while. Um, obviously, the Big 12 has been we don't think. aggressive. We don't think. <laughs> we don't know. We don't think. We didn't think USC and UCLA was happening, right? We don't think that. But I think what you're saying now, if what we're hearing is all true and they've signed it and that's going to be that, that may put it off. Um, the ACC, they're trying to make some inroads. But again, can they break this thing 12 years before it's up, whatever? That may or may not happen either. So I think that while we, it seems more improbable it would happen in 2023 than if you expanded that window and said by the end of the decade. You know, yeah, that, exactly. That would make more sense with that happening. But to your point, by adding those schools to the AAU, that includes, that kind of brings all that in. Here's my question for you. There's so many, and we've got a lot to get in here before we, before we hit a break. What is it about, do you, the one thing I, that we haven't heard, again, we may hear this by the time this hits air, is that there is a media deal in place. The question, Pac-12? Yes. Yes. Does it, does it get Lord, to that? Lord, I hope so. Does it, yeah. I mean, we're, we're a year away, right? I mean, it's, it's going to, it's, it's, it was a year ago that they began, that triggered this whole thing because of the, the 24 month uh, window that, that was going to kick in for negotiations. We're halfway through that for the Pac-12. Pac-10, if you will, will they have that media uh, rights deal in place and will it come closer to million dollars per by, by the way, 10 years later, just after I've trained myself to actually say Pac-12 instead of Pac-10. Pac yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry, you guys, will, will they, yeah, will, will, they will, will it get to the 30 million per school that we're seeing in the Big 12, which is, you're not going to get with the Big 10 and SEC have. No. Can you get to that, which is still more than what they have now with USC and UCLA? So, 
I, I don't project media numbers sure. because that's not my realm and it's, it's a wacky thing. Uh, people that I trust have told me that they believe that it will be equal. To, some people, some people believe that it will be more than the big 12. Some people think that it'll be close. Uh, nobody I've talked to that's reliable thinks that it will be significantly lower and, and absolutely nobody that I've talked to that is reliable. I mean, again, we're not talking about, you know, like, Oh, cyclone Tim 52 on Twitter told me, but you know, actual, actual real people uh, thinks that it will be problematically low, uh, especially given, I mean, the, and, and we've talked before, you know, the, the academic links that the, those schools have are very strong. I know the big 12 fans do not understand that. They don't believe that it's true. Um, if it weren't true, they might have new members, <laughs> but, <laughs> but as it is, they've got Gonzaga and not Arizona that they're talking to. So the, the Arizona president tonight, two hours before we did this, talked about the unity of the pack of the pack 10. So again, I, if, 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 if the academic ties were not important, maybe they could have lured somebody over, but you know, there, there's also a lot of talk coming out of there. Um, and a lot of stuff that I don't know if it would add value. It's a lot of stuff that sounds good in a press release. But if you think about like from a big 10 or Pac-12 school standpoint, doesn't really add value. So, for example, they're talking about, oh, well, maybe we'll play a football game or a, ba- or a basketball game in Mexico. Okay, okay, I mean, I guess that sounds good. Like the Big Ten and Pac-12, the Big Ten has been playing games overseas for how many decades? Yeah. Is it really add anything? I, I don't know. Maybe like good for you, but it's not like groundbreaking. Um, they're going to have like a free clinic, maybe with like an exhibition game in Harlem. Like, I mean, that's cool. Like anything that helps New York City public schools, I am 2000% behind, but like doesn't transform your basketball. I mean, not, and, and they're going to, or they're going to have like a joint pro day. The whole point of a pro day is that like you are at home in your comfortable environment, able to perform for the pros. So why are you going to have a joint combo pro day? That's not at your home. Like, so a lot of the stuff, again, I think is designed to win, like win the media cycle. Well done. They're doing it. But it like, if you think about it from a big 10 standpoint, what, what would Ohio state say? If you said, you know what? we want you to come to a pro day, everybody in the big 10 in Indianapolis, Ryan day would be like, ah, we're good. Well, the, the question I have is when you look at the, you know, the tiering system or, or at least not splitting the revenue um, equally in the, in the world that we're in right now with transfer portal, with NIL money, does that almost lock some of these people or some of these universities into the positioning that they're at when that hits, because boy, I wouldn't want to be a fan of Indiana or Rutgers or Minnesota. If the big 10 decided to, to, you know, merit base, because how do they get out of the bottom to take on? I mean, it's tough enough with the even playing field to take on the Superman of Ohio state. And it seems like the the uh, the NFL has figured out the best way by by being nearly communistic, for lack of a better term, to keep the to keep the parity, which keeps people tuned in. So I, I'm just a little mystified at 
why a conference would think that's a better way to go. So educate me on that. So that's a good question. It's one that actually takes us back to the 1950s as well. When, uh, and I'll give you an example. So in the Pac-12, back in the old days, they used to split gate revenue equally. Well, this just drove the California schools crazy because they had 90,000 people at their football games. Washington State had 10,000. Idaho had like 5,000. Idaho didn't have bathrooms in the stadium. <laughs> USC when you, was playing in the LA Coliseum, the Olympic Stadium, and Idaho didn't have bathrooms. So and they're in their bleachers. And yep. so they said, okay, well, we'll only play you at the high school stadium in Spokane an hour and a half away. Oregon, half their stadium was condemned, actually like, like, like condemned. Uh, Hayward Field, the vaunted track stadium, which is a dump. Uh, they would only play Oregon. The California schools would only play Oregon at the baseball stadium in Portland, two hours away, <laughs> because they were like, your stadium's too small. You don't make enough money. We're not doing this. And in fact, if you actually, some of the wacky history of like who the Big Ten had to play in the Rose Bowls was screwed up because throughout the 1960s, until those schools build stadiums, the California schools just wouldn't even play them. They would say, you don't make us enough money. We literally refuse to play you. And so there were weird years where like the, the PAC champion only played like three conference games. <laughs> so, that, you know, so there's a history of this, of saying like money is important to us and you are a moocher and you don't get as much. And, and I mean, that's sort of, it sort of set us up where we are that has schools like uh, Oregon State and Washington State that have always kind of been playing catch up. And if you look financially, Washington State's, Washington State's, but I mean, Washington State's an awesome school, but their, their sports budget is a fraction of the size. Um, they're also really far away. So they only get like 30,000 people at a football game. Because they're, what are they, five hours from Seattle? I mean, they, they are, they're in Idaho. I mean, you can hit Idaho with like a golf ball from Washington State. So it's just, you, you know, you just, so, and, automa and by the way, 20,000 people, depending, and it, you can use revenue calculations can vary, but think about it this way, about, about 20,000 more people in your stadium means about $15 million a year more profit. Again, it depends on your ticketing prices and merchandise right, right. and all that. But just as a rough, just think of that as roughly. So that's a whole batch of money that you just don't have because you're in the middle of nowhere and people don't come to your games. And so those folks have always been playing catch up. And, and this does kind of, I think, I fear maybe keep that up. But at the same time, what are the other options? Well, the other option is you get you don't have them in the conference anymore. So the question is, do you make do you keep this sort of thing up? Or do you actually say, okay, you're you're out because you're sort of the the low the low hanging fruit? And in the Big Ten, that's tougher because the Big Ten, by the way, our libraries are integrated, our professor training is integrated. We we are one, and so you don't. I mean, you're not going to the University of Indiana. You're not going to kick them out. Maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> You guys can, I didn't say that. I'm not saying that. But, I mean, you know, that, somebody, that's the hey, debate. Somebody's going to go with Iowa. Somebody's going to go with <laughs> Hey, if Iowa can't, yeah, uh, there you go, Iowa. Here's how you do it. Revenue sharing by points. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa, Iowa has to pay. 
They're, they're in deficits. That's Iowa it. has to write a check. Right. <laughs> that would be that would be the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> but yeah, no, that I mean that's a that's a good question. And again, how, for the Big Ten and the SEC, how long before maybe this question comes up? Um, or or is the money and the new money in the Big Ten and the SEC is going to be so big that is it going to be so big that it's okay? Yeah, we don't know because I I feel like the Big Ten has always been like that. Does it does it matter that you know with Nebraska no longer being a, an AAU school? How does that? I mean, it's just kind of weird. They're kind of a they aren't, and I'll be honest with you, from a geographic, from a cultural everything, they're not real. They're more of a fit still with the Big Twelve than they are with the Big Ten. But obviously, they're not going to the Big Twelve. I mean, I mean, we just had at USC and UCLA, so I, I feel yeah. like we passed that point. Fair, I guess that we throw that. No, and Rutgers is there. Rutgers is kidding. there too. So Rutgers yeah, is there too. There you go. But uh, by but the way, you know what I mean? Like, what does that does that have any impact? Not being a member anymore. Um. So so Nebraska left the AAU with drama, and Michigan was involved, and I don't know the extent of all that drama. But Michigan was sort of, I mean, the, the Michigan president was the, ran the AAU. So, I, again, I don't know all the drama that exactly went into that. But if the Big Ten had wanted to save Nebraska, they really could have. I mean, the, the Big Ten and the Pac-10 and the, and the ACC have, such a, have so many people that they could have stopped that from happening, and they didn't. So I don't, I don't know that drama. But I will say one thing about Nebraska. They're, they are a state flagship school, and there is a spe- and as you guys know from Illinois, there is a role that the state flagship school plays in the heart and culture and business and politics and everything of a state. And so the thing about, you know, we, again, with the SEC, you know, some of those schools, they're not AAU, but, but they are all, almost all of them are state flagship schools. And, and there is such an academic importance of that, that I think it's kind of okay. I think, do you think Nebraska and Michigan are still fighting over Gerald Ford? Is that, is that what Who it is? Even, that's a really good question. <laughs> I, mean, I heard Juwan. Most, and, you know, and you know what's funny is most people listening to this have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think Juwan Howard slapped somebody from Nebraska. <laughs> May, that could be it. Wisconsin. Yeah, well, that, that's the one we heard about. Well, yeah, the there one. may have been more. There may oh, have been the more. cameras aren't on. Who knows? <laughs> right, right. Uh, man, such good stuff. Tony, we unfortunately leave it there, but um, we really appreciate your insights on this. Um, so much perspective and really gives us a lot to think about. Um, and you know, we'll be talking to you again soon because anytime this is not going away. <laughs> well, well, ho- I mean, hopefully, hopefully we'll soon have a PAC 12 media deal and that'll let everybody lock things in and move forward for sure. At least for the time being. Exactly. Yeah. For the yeah. time being. But, I, it's, but you could guarantee it's going to come up again. Tony Altimore, uh, strategy consultant. Uh, always good to talk to my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Fight on. Thanks, All right. Tony. Appreciate it. Uh, good to have Tony's thoughts. Quick break here and much more to come after this. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Back here on Big Sports Radio, Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy talking a transfer portal. Yes, we're in June, and it still isn't closed. There's still players possibly moving to other teams. Uh, big pickup this week for Michigan, uh, Brad. Um, you know, we've talked about the Wolverines really struggling with some players. They lost Hunter Dickinson, the three-year starting center. Uh, they had Caleb Love, the talented shooting guard from North Carolina, for a brief moment. Then he decided, no, he's going to go to Arizona. 
Uh, Ray J. Dennis doesn't choose Michigan. He goes to Baylor. Um, now they finally get the kid from Tennessee. They needed to get this one. Yeah, Olivier Cumwell, he was a really solid player. Averaged 11 points and five rebounds, two assists. Um, you know, he's uh, he's a solid shooter. Really, they needed players. They needed some talent. I mean, they lost. You look at a Michigan team that made the NIT, he's going to lose two probable first-round draft picks plus Hunter Dickinson, who's an All-American. And they were an NIT team, and they, you know, it's going to be a struggle for them. And so they got a lot to lot to change and lot to, a lot of things to improve upon if they want to be successful, and this is a good step for them. Yeah, maybe they got a little bit of their alleged NIL challenges ironed out to make this happen. There, there certainly is – it certainly seems like there's something going on with their ability to use NIL for the transfer portal on the uh, basketball side. So we'll see. Yeah. Another name that that has really intrigued me, and we kind of touched on it a couple of weeks ago uh, when he was still, I guess, you know, looking in the in a, in a NBA draft, and that is uh, Paul Mulcahy of Rutgers. Pulls out of the draft, but has not firmly committed. He's going to return to Rutgers, and that's kind of led to some speculation. Yeah, I mean, Rutgers is trying to keep him, obviously. He's a really good player. Um, you know, he's 6'6", you know, whatever point guard basically and um he would be extremely coveted in the portal because although everyone on the opposing team hates him everybody who's on his team likes him so that's <laughs> that's where you want you want him on your team i can only imagine the feeding frenzy that would ensue if one was to you know hear that he's going into the portal because he is extremely talented player a good leader on the floor and there are very few teams across the country who couldn't use a six-six player at that position. And look, uh, he's a big reason why Steve Peichel's had the success he's had the past two or three years up there uh, in Piscataway. No question about it. Uh, you know, another team that we've been intrigued about is Kentucky. Usually, you know, UK they just kind of go out and they draft players, right? Not not recruit. They're having a tough time right now, and that's one roster you do not want to be right now because they still don't have any players. And then yeah, maybe some more. Yeah. Uh, our old friend, uh, Orlando Antigua may have to practice with them. So they have <laughs> enough to have five on five. Yeah. They're, they're really short on players. And, you know, there's a lot of scuttlebutt that Antonio Reeves, I know they're trying to keep him. SEC six man of the year a year ago would be a really important piece for them as a veteran with all those young guys. But it sounds like he, he wants to get out of there and go somewhere else. And I know that there are Big Ten teams like Michigan and Illinois who would, welcome him um i've heard memphis mentioned as well but he's got a portal first and graduate but yeah it's uh it's an interesting very intriguing situation in kentucky yeah and you could see penny would love to coach a kentucky player and give a cause a little bit of problem for coach cow that's probably uh that would be on top of the ability that mr reeves has on the basketball court it's funny, I saw a report uh, in the BBN this past week talking about in terms of Kentucky basketball and saying, you know, is it wrong for Kentucky to rely on freshmen? And I'm like, where have you been the past 15 years? That's, that's <laughs> what they do. How is this different from any, any other year? What are you talking about? You know, so, but not a lot of depth and a lot of questions right now uh, in Lexington. Keep it here. Up next, welcome to Miami. Uh, maybe Will Smith will sing and... Uh, uh, the very talented uh, Ava Mendez will sing backup as well. Big news in Miami. That's next. 
Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News & World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-613-8053. 800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. Attention travelers, next Tuesday a major hurricane will cause complete chaos throughout the city. Food, water, and phone service will be in short supply. There will likely be panic citywide. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Disasters don't plan ahead. You can. Talk to your loved ones about how you're going to be ready in an emergency. Don't wait. Communicate. Talked about uh, live golf, uh, PGA golf, and that um, <laughs> some would say unholy merger, right? Uh, earlier here in the show, uh, how about the other shocker? Just a lot of crazy headlines this week. Lionel Messi uh, heading to MLS and joining Inter Miami. Uh, do people realize how big this is? Messi I, and MLS. I don't think people understand it. This is like this Giant. is this is Pele coming to the New York Cosmos. Back in the day, but yeah. bigger. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. Messi's still like the guy, I mean, one of the guys, right? I mean, yeah. this is, I mean, he's, Beckham. this is, yeah, this is the greatest soccer player perhaps in the world. And, and at least he was. And, and obviously he's still one of the best ones. And he's coming and you're going to get a chance to go watch him play. I mean, this is like a huge ticket sale thing. I can go watch Messi play. I mean, it's, it's like, the- it's insane. It's like LeBron going to go play in Greece. Yes, or, right now, or for a team in Greece this year. He probably China's probably more likely, but yeah, yeah. it'd be yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Well, and you you know, you have to also wonder if if he is closer to the height of his skills than Pele or Beckham was, does he have a chance of dominating this league and then then you've really got like a TV draw, not just an older player playing, but but you know, out there and elevating above the rest of the league. I think it's it's going to be a lot of fun to see what he can do. Well, and just what it means. I mean, look, you know, these teams already draw pretty well. It's not the MLS that it was 20 years ago. I mean, these teams, you know, I mean, most of them draw well, and they've got great followings. And then you bring a guy like that in, I mean, he is going to be must-see at every city he visits this season. Wherever he goes, they're going to pack the place. Like you said, you get a lot of TV games. Um Great for MLS was again, other than PGA and live. This is the other thing that I didn't think I would see other headline. I didn't think I would see this week. You know, um, Larry, Larry, one thing about that is the other thing about the MLS, this is going to bring eyeballs from across the world too, right. to the MLS, which is something they probably didn't have. Cause so many people watch, 
you know, because of Ted Lasso, I think they watched the, all that. You know, I mean, it did. I mean, it did open some doors to European soccer and things like that. And we we brought that into the United States. Well, the MLS hasn't really expanded. Well, you bring in a guy like Messi, now it expands globally. It isn't just national. Yeah, that's a huge thing. And that's what, exactly what they need. And you got to give Beckham credit as running that team for reaching out and using some of his, uh, you know, his credit, street cred to, to get a guy like Messi signed. Yeah, I just think it's exciting for MLS and for the city of Miami as well. Meanwhile, city of Las Vegas, um, boy, one way or the other, they're going to get a third pro team, but it's just not making it easy. Uh, and the poor Oakland A's, it just seems like they're the, they're the franchise that just nothing ever works well for them. So the A's, the big splash, they're going to move to Vegas. They bought some land. They're going to build a $1.5 billion stadium, state-of-the-art, only 30,000 seats, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now maybe not. So this week uh, on Monday, the Nevada legislature adjourned for a four-month four session without a vote on the proposed deal to help fund uh, this potential new stadium. And so once again, it appears the A's uh, already right now the worst team in Major League Baseball with the lowest attendance. And now the the bright future they have, they got to wait to see if that's going to come to reality anytime soon. Yeah, they're the, all seven of their fans are really upset. <laughs> they were really disappointed. So the guys yeah, I, who were sitting heard, out there, I heard one left. So they're down to yeah, six. Yeah, that, it was like the. Do you remember the beginning of Major Leagues? Major yeah. League, the movie, and they're all yeah. so, there's like a few people. Woo, woo, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and are, this guy sucks. They're know, arguing. So. They're arguing over because the, they got they got it wrong. They got the chant wrong. They're arguing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. This is yeah, the A's yeah. right now, yeah. and they want to they want to move them. So all they need to do is go get Serrano and uh, Ricky Vaughn and, and these guys and Willie Mays Hayes, and they can make a comeback too, and they won't have to move. Jake Taylor. Well, yeah, Jake you Taylor. can sum up the A's in 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 one sentence that I'm reading out of this article. The A's lost their. 50th game of the season Monday at 12 and 50. They are the first team to lose 50 of their first 62 games since the 1932 Red Sox. At that point, I don't know that, you know, World War II wasn't even happened, you know, hadn't even happened yet. And as you look at it, it, you know, the next sentence should be, and they can't get funding for a stadium. So it is the A's being the Oakland A's. It really is. And then to add, to rub salt into that wound, um, they're saying that as of right now, the Nevada speaker said that they will not call a special session in to advance the stadium bill. So this just hangs for right now. It's again, the A's, like you said, being the A's, it is, uh, it's unfortunate. It really is. Another unfortunate uh, occurrence uh, this week was Jacob DeGrom, you know, was once uh, the two-time young award winner, um, he's already had Tommy John surgery early in his career. And he was first drafted by the Mets back in 2010, only six starts this year after signing that massive contract with the Texas Rangers, but he's been shut down and facing Tommy John surgery again. Um, boy, he's just had so many injury problems recently. And, and now here's another one for, uh, who was at one time, one of the top right-handers in the game. Yeah. DeGrom is, it's one of those things where he's never going to have the longevity and the, the career numbers. But at his peak, he may have been one of the five best pitchers in the history of the game for that at that peak level. I don't know that anybody's there aren't many who've been at that level. Yeah, and and it's been just a, a couple of really snake bit, you know, franchises that had contracts with pitcher when you add Strasburg's contract in there. I mean, it, it's a it's a tough road to hoe when you have guaranteed uh contracts and then 
you know, guys through no fault of their own get injured. And now all of a sudden you're finding out why it's nice to be the New York Yankees with an infinite amount of money. So you can just go get another guy, but that just doesn't work for all the other teams in the league. Yeah. Tough for DeGrom. Um, at first it was put on the 60 day injured list for that uh, inflammation in his right elbow. And then about a day later uh, they made the call and, you know, you know, I know it's easy for us to talk, look at the numbers and, and the massive contract, you know, five years and, you know, a nine figure deal is what he signed again as one of the top pitchers, but to see his emotions and when he talked to reporters after this, it, it, it makes you realize that it's, yeah, the numbers are there and yeah, he's incredibly rich and he's for gener- generational wealth. Right. But it's still a game and it's still emotions. And these guys are still human. Yeah. Regardless of money, he still wants to pitch. He still wants, this is what he wants to do. This is his passion. This is what he loves. And he, and he doesn't get to do that. And, you know, obviously it's a lot better than with the fact that he gets to, you know, he still has a lot of money and he can live comfortably, but you know, you're missing out on your dream still. Yeah. It's gotta be frustrating. I mean, David Lee Roth once said money can't buy you happiness, but you can buy a boat and float up next to it. But the bottom line is, is, you know, when, when they have the, the abilities that these gentlemen, you know, have, and then you're robbed of the, you know, the, the chance to use it. Um, it's got to be really hard. You got to think that, I mean, you got to probably think some counseling has to be done to help out. And people forget that if you love something, it doesn't, the, the dollars are nice, you know, safety net, but it's, it's not about the money. It's about doing what you love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, by the way, DeGrom's numbers this year, in case you think maybe he was struggling, um, only six starts because of injuries, two and oh. An ERA of 2.67, 45 strikeouts against only four walks. That's good, that's I think. Just, that's just sick. That is sick. And, uh, well, look, we wish him speedy recovery, get it back out there. Um, you know, he's good for baseball, baseball good for him. And um, we certainly were big fans of his work when he's out there. And, so get healthy soon. We've got uh, much more coming up here. Um, you know what? It is, uh, well, we're going to still still to come here on the show Uh, There's a movie out that Mike and Brad are anxious to talk about. That is still on the way. Keep it here. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Hour number two is here. Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy. Glad you're here with us as well as we, uh, you know, next week we get closer to, it's Father's Day next week. We probably should maybe bring the kids on or something. Um, Yeah, let's, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Uh, all right, let's talk some stadiums here. It is uh, unbelievable, the the building going on in the NFL. Um, I think we're going to end the decade here with, like, everyone having new stadiums. Uh, Chicago made the big splash, right? They spent hundreds of millions of dollars to build the former, to buy the former Arlington uh, racetrack out in suburban Arlington Heights right there, right? Going to build this brand new, you know, everything's a billion dollar now, you know, palatial stadium like we see in L.A., and now recently uh, we're hearing the snag. There's a tax issue that may put uh, a kink in the whole deal and they may head west to another suburb. Um, is this really happening or is this just a little gamesmanship? Uh, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I think it's gamesmanship. I think everybody's got their wants to get a piece of the pie at the end of the day. And I, I think this is the kind of thing that happens. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's wild that uh that chicago is like the what the third largest market third largest city the bears are one of the most you know popular teams in the in the country and yet 
and they haven't won enough and they're trying to do these things that you would think that this would be something where everyone would be on board to try and make a pro uh, a just make it make something really good and um it just doesn't seem like they are so we'll see yeah it's real it is hard to tell if if they're trying to you know pull in uh naperville or or you know you name it um as a you know, somebody to, to basically get the, the tax rates lowered, you know, in Arlington Heights. Um, and who knows, maybe they'll end up back down in Decatur. <laughs> they'll end up seeing if the bears can go back to the future and, and, and be, a, go back to where they were the Staley's all those years ago. A lot of farmland. They're going to build a massive palatial uh, place out in Mount Zion, Illinois. <laughs> there you go. So that's what they're headed for. Um, meanwhile, in Jacksonville, uh, some problems there. Um, but it's a, it, they're going to build it again. They're going to basically like they did when they did the rebuild to get the Jaguars back in the nineties, they're kind of going to do the same thing here, basically gut the entire place. The question is if they, they can do it on a four-year plan and that way they can still play in the stadium or a two-year plan, which means they totally gut everything. And they've got to go play somewhere else. One option is playing at the 11,000 seat triple A baseball stadium there. I mean, that's another option or they're on the, Jacksonville University campus, but um, another boy, it's just going to be gorgeous to see um, what that place could be. Yeah, it's just, man, it's uh, fantastic, right? Fantastic stuff. I mean, I want these elite, great places to go watch a game because it becomes an experience. Yeah. Like it's more than just a game. You know, watching the game, well, <laughs> we had on uh, Big Sports Radio with Tony Altimore, you know, on the show talking about not having bathrooms at university of Idaho. Right. <laughs> so, right. so, yeah. uh, so when we talk about that, uh, we want to have bathrooms and we want to go shopping too, while we're going. So I want these massive stadiums that are state of the art and why not, if we're going to spend a billion dollars, let's make it great. Yeah. I, I, there's a part of me that says, if you're going to spend 1.3 to 1.4 billion to update, is there any shot at just building a new one for, roughly the same amount because <laughs> I've seen enough of these refurb places that you're, you know, you're, you're just like, well, that, that would have been nice, but we couldn't quite do everything we wanted. And once you, once you say we've spent 1.4 billion and we couldn't quite do everything we wanted, those two things shouldn't be in the same sentence. <laughs> we had to leave a couple things out. To yes. Keep yeah, like, like bathrooms. Five billion. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Anybody named Brad, it's out there. <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, the broken ground in Buffalo, guys, 1.5 billion. I mean, that, you know, that, you know, Rich Stadium, whatever it's called now, was, you know, has been there forever since the AFL days. So you talk about needing a new stadium, they're going to get one. Yeah, the Bills, I mean, the Bills need a new stadium, right? I mean, they they need one. Um, Josh Allen, they have one of the best players in the league, big, most visible, biggest names. I mean, Bills Mafia, the Mafia need their new stadium um, you know, to, to be state of the art, let's go billions of dollars and, and spend it on there. You know, maybe, maybe we get some Saudi investment, nothing better wrong with that. They could buy all, what if they bought all 30 stadiums? That would be cool. Don't give them any ideas. Oh, don't. <laughs> but, but the bottom line is, is that bills group is a loyal group of fans. If there's any group that deserves a new stadium, maybe with seat warmers, um, it's, it's the, the bill fans. So I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I'm happy to see them getting those seats. Um, when I was a young, younger man, I went to a frozen game up in, uh, watching the Packers and it was horrific. And when I was younger watching games, you know, that got a little cold at U of I, I didn't mind it. 
But um, as I get older, I really enjoy the sensation of watching a cold game in my living room. And the you don't want to be on the frozen tundra of Lambeau nope. Field. Nope. John like- Madden. John Madden. God bless him. He can have that cold weather. I will watch it in the warmth and be able to get my drinks and go to the restroom without Mike, a line. There's nothing better than when you have snot running out of your nose and it freezes before it falls out. That is the best thing. <laughs> but Brad you know, lives a simple life. Yeah, John Madden also <laughs> didn't have, uh, you know, digital surround sound and a 4K TV that's uh, 80 inches on his wall. It's true. Um, that's true. Yeah, no, I, I coach, when I coach high school softball, I, I doesn't matter. Like, we'll play in, we've played in snow, right? It's been like, you know, we had wind chills of 17. I wear shorts every game. Doesn't matter. It's <laughs> crazy. By the way, I want one correction, though. Uh, I said that the Bills goes back to the AFL days. Actually, since 1973, they've been there. It is the fourth oldest stadium in the NFL. But think about it. Uh, Chicago, Buffalo, Jacksonville, um, Tennessee, uh, all among the, the the teams that are building right now. You know, I mean, and now Buffalo joins them, right? I mean, Green Bay is never going to build. New Orleans ain't going anywhere, but you know, Atlanta's got a new one, Minnesota, New York, LA. Um, I think Phoenix still considered new, I guess. Um, you know, yeah. the Niners have a new one. I mean, it's yeah, it's crazy, uh, with all this. Hey, and the guy who started all this big build, um, in Dallas, Mike's favorite guy, Jerry Jones. And how about that? That the wealthiest franchise anywhere, and according to one one recent study. Yeah, there. They're they're valuable. There's no question. The the Cowboys are valuable. Um, it's they they should win more with that value. <laughs> best <laughs> financial best financial owner in football. One of the worst owners at winning titles. When a man named Jimmy Johnson is not connected to him, <laughs> that is true. And yeah. yeah, I don't I don't I don't have anything because now I'm starting to get angry. <laughs> you know, but the. The Take bottom a deep line breath, is, Mike. Take a deep breath. Yeah, in through your nose, out through your mouth. The bottom line is, you know, he wants to win. He just doesn't uh, – he's not able to say that he doesn't know how to win. When are we getting a new stadium? When's our new studio coming in? We've got one. We're, we're, in the, we're in the state-of-the-art right yeah, now. That was, that was three years ago when it was state-of-the-art. Oh, now, it's, now it's down. we got to well, get something better. We need man. a bigger fridge, I'll tell you that much. There you maybe, go. Maybe the Saudis can help us, too. That's true. Speaking of uh, Cowboys, though, here are the numbers, the real numbers. Forbes saying that they're the most profitable sports team after making 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 $1.2 in three years. Only team to make over a billion in a three-year period, and that was the Cowboys. So, wow. yeah, average on the field, but listen, at the bank, they are money, baby. Gosh, that's more they than I money. make. That's more and than I make, too. It is more than you make. And to yeah, quote, again, to quote Nito Brown, always business, B. What would, happen, what would happen if they actually went to a Super Bowl? How much money could they right. make? Yeah, but they made almost double what the Patriots made. Wow. Yeah. Because they have a lot of rings. Yeah, why have billions when you can have millions? Exactly. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right, stay with us. More to come after this. (laughs) Right back here on Big Sports Radio. And um, a big list released on Monday by the National Football Federation. It is the 78 players and nine coaches 
who are being consideration for the College Football Hall of Fame. They're on the ballot this year. Um, that, by the way, those guys are all from the major college football. There are others as well. Big name that sticks out. First time on the ballot, none other than Michael Vick. Um, you know, look, forget what he did happened later on and um, his penchant for wanting to fight dogs. He was an incredible college player. There's no question. Oh, the, watching him on the football field is like was electricity. I, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone. I mean, there are a few guys like Deion Sanders, you know, have that extra burst. But I mean, there, there are very few guys that when they touch the ball, you're just like you you take your breath away. I'm Reggie Bush in college was a little bit like that. But I mean, Michael Vick would get the ball and you'd be like, what's he going to do? Is he going to throw it 70 yards or is he going to run past everybody? It's four, two, four. I mean, just crazy athlete. I mean, just he was he was must watch television. There's no question. Yeah, he was a great one, and and that uh, the only person that I think is as fast as him was was Dion, and they both had they didn't have a fifth gear, they had a sixth gear, and that made them so unique, and they were so fun to watch because you never knew when it would come into play to really you know take over a game. Barry Sanders was another one with that lightning ability to create nothing yeah. or create something out of nothing. I was at camp last week, Mike, and I was racing third graders, and I, I was very similar to that. <laughs> I, was, I was faster than the third graders. So. You are you are the Michael Vick of third graders. I I've am. I am that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the difference much, much nicer, much nicer to animals. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He pets him, doesn't fight him. Uh, pit him against the other. He breaks up dog fights, actually. Um, you know, the one difference, though, with Vic and the others we're talking about is Vic was a quarterback, and that was what just made him so dangerous. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you had him in the mold of, of a Steve Young, left-hander, and, and that kind of you know, changes the game a little bit. But, you know, the, he's back in the pocket, and you had to always have a rover, right? I mean, you know, a, yeah. you know, a, a linebacker watching him. But that might not have mattered because he was so fast. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't tackle him one-on-one. Yeah, you can't catch him anyway. So, I mean. Yeah. You know, if, yeah, I can see him. I just can't tackle him. If he was – and that's one of those things. Like, you, you almost can't play man-to-man right. against them, against that defense, against him on defense. Because if you turn your back and run with those receivers, he's gone. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, you're in trouble. And so, you almost had to play zone or have spies and things like that. Like, man zone under whatever. You had to be be ready to do that stuff because – he really changed the game. If he was a more accurate passer, we're probably talking about him as being one of the all-time greats. Well, and, and if you look at this list of players, I know every everybody's got their own team's fandom, but there are just some incredible people that I cannot believe aren't already in the Hall of Fame. Jerome Brown, the 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 Miami, you know, defensive tackle who was legendary at both college, you know, and in in the pros. Uh, you know, you go down the list, Ken Dorsey, he won two, he won back-to-back, you know, BCS championships. Yeah. And you look through some of the, the the talent that has went through that's never been honored um, with a Hall of Fame. It shows you what an incredible honor it must be, you know, to be named to a, you know, a guy like Steve Hutchinson, you know, uh, the, one of the few uh, four-time All-Big Ten selections. Um you know, you've got you've got just such incredible talent that is yeah. looking to to make it into the hall for the first time. I love I love Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, how yeah. about him? He what he scored yeah. like 34 touchdowns in two seasons at Pitt. Just nuts. I mean, just so good. And one of the best, and uh, you talk about athletes, one of the best athletes I ever saw in my and I watched him a lot, Simeon Rice um at Illinois. 
just a freak athlete. I mean, just so fast for a guy that was six foot five, 250 pounds. It's crazy. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, some Big Ten guys, Flozell Adams, the massive offensive tackle for Michigan State. Uh, Monty Ball, Wisconsin, the, the running back, and what a career he had. Uh, Larry Burton split in from Purdue back in the 70s, was an All-American, is another uh, name that's on here. Kajana Carter, the running back from Penn State. Um, it, Dallas Clark, who had a great career in the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the former Iowa tight end, another All-American on here. So, yeah, just so many different guys. Uh, and some of the names even outside the Big Ten, Tim Couch. Um, you know, who holds uh, uh, seven NCAA, 26 school records at Kentucky, uh, still a legend down there of what he's done. You mentioned Dorsey again, other guys. So Warwick Dunn is somebody who uh, just was outstanding both on and off the field. Um, just one of the classiest guys you ever want to meet. So uh, it's exciting to this time of year. By the way, we should mention this is, this is for the class of 2024, which will not go in um, until December of 2024. So we do have some time. Another name here that we don't talk about very much, a uh, former golf buddy of mine, Craig Ironhead Hayward, the late Ironhead Hayward. Uh, by the way, his golf swing never took a practice swing, smacked it down the field 230 every time, right down right down the center of the fairway. Which was horrible when he was putting. But other than that, it was... So, <laughs> it was amazing. How's he putt? Just like he drives. Just like he drives. That's right. Exactly. Well, you know, you look, look at, think about too, like, like Steve Hutchinson was amazing at Michigan offensive lineman. And of course, James Laronitis, the son of a uh, road warrior animal, Ohio state linebacker. Yeah. These guys were like household names in college. Yeah. And Kajana Carter, you mentioned him. He, he won a fan. He was with the Bengals and he scored a touchdown. And I won a fantasy super bowl because of him. So he is always going to live in my heart and my pocketbook. And you're one of the few people who really loved his pro career. <laughs> I'm the only one. <laughs> Another name of the Big Ten, Antoine Randall L., who was a quarterback in Indiana, but of course then a great wide receiver in the NFL uh, for the Steelers is another uh, name that's on this list. So again, you go through, it is really like a, a who's who if you're a college football fan. Uh, Taylor Stubblefield back in 2004, from Purdue, wide receiver is a first-team All-American. Uh, it's just amazing. Chris Ward, offensive tackle from Ohio State, uh, is another one. Hey, I want to get in one comment, too, uh, on Michael Vick. And, and yes, I know people uh, will say what he did, what he did, and he did it. Um, you know, he pled guilty. He served 21 months. Um, you know, he was out of the league for a couple of years. He came back, and he not only is in a lot of, of public service things that have been recorded and even some not recorded in terms of uh, uh, the safety of animals, but he paid back everyone that he owed. He had he listed twenty million in debt when he went into jail, sixty million in assets. When he came back and signed with the Eagles, he paid everybody back. That's underreported, and I think it's only fair if we talk about the one thing, we should talk about the other when it comes to Michael Vick. Yeah, I I I agree. I mean, he did. He made a mistake. People make mistakes, and you know he atoned for it, and he served his time and did his, you know. You know, he made made amends. So kudos to him. And you know, obviously, he's. Uh, it doesn't take away from the fact that he was a electric college football player. No you, question. And looking at the coaches, Larry Coker. I mean, he was as dominant as anybody's ever been at Miami. You know, and then kind of dissipated into the wind for the rest of his career. I'm not certain what happened there, but but boy. You know, 35 and three in his first three seasons with a couple, you know, I mean, with consecutive BCS championship games. Um, Did they, should he have won? Was he the coach when they lost to Ohio State? Yes. And he would have won three, right? Wouldn't I that think have been so. three in a row? I think I so. I think, yeah. That was a pretty good run. 
Yeah, and, and like I said, it's just it's hard for me to believe that you know he he was done at Miami in 06, and then the only job he's had since was a four year stint at UTSA. Yeah. So there must be a story behind that somewhere. Hey, didn't have Luther Campbell recruiting for him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, Larry's going to break into song now. No, I won't do yeah. that. Not he this can't time. do any two live crew on this yeah. radio show. Not on this radio show. That's right. We can do no. some Will Smith. There We're talking go. Miami. We can't do two live crew. Sorry. That's right. Uh, close out this segment here with a couple of names that you at home may not know, but Brad and I know very well. Uh, Eastern Illinois grads, Pete Caton, the great division two all American that led the Panthers to division two title. Uh, Mike Shanahan was a 24 year old offensive coordinator on that team in 78. They beat Delaware with the future uh, Detroit lion quarterback, Drew Comlo and uh, John Yurkovich uh, also uh, two time all American play with the green Bay Packers. Uh, two names I was happy to see on this ballot as well. So uh, anyway, there you go. Two players that you didn't know before. And now you do. And there you go. This is Big Sports Radio. We'll talk a lot more about what's going on in D.C. this week. College football going to the nation's capital. We'll tell you why next. If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 800-363-7934. 800-363-7934. That's 800-363-7934. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. Now back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio. Right back here on the show. And uh, folks, the things that you don't hear during commercial breaks. um, Brad, we just found out some disturbing news just now. Um, Yeah. So... I mean, you, you think, Larry, you think, you know, someone do and, and um, you just, and you don't, I mean, I, I, I'm a little bit upset. I don't know. How do we, we've been doing radio shows, what, two years now, two years, oh, three years. And we didn't two know two years at Mike Cagley. Seems like three years. Seems like three, <laughs> seems like 30. He, he, he had never heard. Welcome to Miami by Will Smith. He talked about it last hour. We first mentioned it, right? And we just found out he actually had never heard it. So Brad just played it for him in the commercial break. He had never heard it. So folks right here, now, you know, but I'm normal. <laughs> no, that wasn't. Let, let us show, well, if it wasn't in a Marvel movie or the WWE, he hasn't heard it. So there is no, hey, I've, seen, I've seen kiss in concert like four times. Want to talk to your <laughs> wife. What did he listen to? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just, I know he was 80 in 1998, but yeah, come on. He was still, he was, should have been getting jiggy with it, man. Yeah. I don't know. It was everywhere. He listened to the Glenn Miller band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. Well, um, you know, Tommy Dorsey, he was a great guy. <laughs> Ken Dorsey. Back when oh, we no. were kids. Okay. <laughs> Woo. All right. Let's dig, let's dig Mike out of this. Uh, as we try to move forward 
So is college football. I like that segue. Um, name, image, likeness, of course, has dominated the headlines the past couple of years in uh, college sports. Um, so now some of the, the big names in, uh, in college athletics there in D.C. to uh, to try to talk about, uh, you know, the federal regulation of how college athletes um, are able to make money off their name, image and likeness, including Alabama coach, uh, probably the greatest college coach of all time. Nick Saban is part of this contingent from the SEC that's converging on Capitol Hill. Yeah, it's really intriguing um, because if we set it up the way, if we allow states to do things, then you're going to have an, an, a lack of equity in the, in the field. And so if you have a federal regulation, though, do, do we really want government getting involved in these situations? Because we, we know what happens when government gets involved. Usually that's not a good thing, right? So um, they'll make they'll make like $4 million and get like $38.42 out of it. So I, I'm not a, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I, I think this is the prime example. What we're seeing here is NIL, the transfer portal, all these things happened and the COVID year. Everything got thrown in one like big basket and said, here, let's do it all right now. When they've had opportunities, we wouldn't be where we're at. I think if years ago they would have said, hey, when we sell your jersey with your name on it, we're going to pay you. When you do an appearance and you sign autographs, we're going to pay you for that and said it was okay for things. And and it would have been a smaller amount and, and kids would have been content, I think, to do this and yeah you 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 see expansion but it would have been more much more fair and much more clear than what they have now where it's just as you know some say it's just like another it's just it's over the table instead of under the table now well and and i i can get that people want one set of rules and the ncaa has abdicated any ability to rule the the um sport but i will tell you that when you have james franklin nick saban urban meyer talking about, you know, how people get oodles of money. Um, You know, Urban Meyer went from Bowling Green to Utah to Florida to Ohio State, and he got paid more money at each step of the way and had to tell players that he had recruited, bye-bye. And, you know, Nick Saban, it it just seems kind of weird, but, you know, again, he's been Michigan State and, and LSU and Miami and back to Alabama. These guys are great coaches. But it seems okay for them to make a ton of money off of their resume. But when it comes to young kids, we get all, ooh. And and so uh, on one hand, I get that they would like to have one set of rules. But, man, these are not the guys that have a lot of credibility when it comes to loyalty and staying in one place because you're committed to something. I, I totally agree with you, Mike. But the one difference is we know how much every one of those guys makes. Everything well, is publicly available. If you if you make the, any of the NIL programs that are that are uh, the the 501Cs, I believe will have to won't they have to file their their payments? You know, I mean, there 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 are going to be ways you Correct. can do. Re- but there are also NIL programs that they these right. kids do NILs on their own. It's not always through like the collective. It's also other things. So I think it's a different animal because we don't even. I think we'd be fine knowing you know, that this kid made $300,000 in NIL money. And that's what he got for his son. It's like, ah, it's cool. Good for him, right? I, I liked what, now, one thing I did like that Saban did was the Alabama players all get X number of NIL dollars. 
It's like every football player at Alabama gets this much in NIL money. That's like the baseline. And then they go from there. That 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 gives although every that's, kid some equity. Although technically it's supposed to it's not supposed to be paid for play. So hopefully they're doing something for that that money. I'm sure they're doing everything. Yes, exactly. Um it, oh, come it, it on. just it seems like I said to me, I, I I certainly I look at these NIL dollars as a lot like we've talked about this before, WWE heights and weights. Because I keep hearing these people, you know, when you hear when a guy signs, oh, he's going to get a million dollars. And then a year later, you hear somebody who's connected to the program saying, oh, he got paid 400000 yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. But uh, yeah, again. Either, either way, good. But yeah, I think they're exaggerated. But what does that surprise us? I mean, that we oh. exaggerate things in this society and like, oh, this guy's getting a million. This guy's getting. And, and probably the kids are, think they're getting a million. Yeah, you know well, I mean? exactly. But so, I, I ultimately, you could easily do some reporting for this. But again, I don't. I don't think you. The NCAA has managed this horribly, as you noted. For sure. But I also think if you didn't have coaches leaving players that they had recruited to go to greener pastures, I don't think we would also have this in nearly this way as well. Because the players, I think they got sick and tired of hearing about loyalty, this, that, and the other thing. And then the coach bolts out the door for more money. And nobody's going to blame a guy for doing that, you know? Nope. Um, And now I think the coaches are getting a little bit of taste of their medicine when you get an upperclassman who just puts his name out there just to see if he can get more money somewhere else. Yeah. 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 You know, the funny thing is, as you looked at it, you talk about Urban Meyer, you talked about um, uh, Nick Saban. We've heard Kirby Smart. We've heard from Dabble Swinney. The what those guys all have in common status quo and college football playoff appearances, multiple. You know, you're not hearing from those coaches that have great programs or have great records and they're sitting just outside not getting in. Uh, there's a concern, like you said, of the status quo being broken. And um, look, uh, change always scares people. Yeah, and let's be honest, it's not going to hurt Alabama recruiting. I no. mean, like Nick Saban can say, Well, I think they're getting too much money. Okay, I'll sign the number one recruiting class still. I mean, you know, it just, it's not going to change anything. And, and it, no matter what your personal beliefs are, you, you're going to have to, if you want to win, and I'm going to tell you what, the reason those guys are where they are, they want to win. They're going to do whatever it takes to win. If that means we collect, we get NIL collectives to give these kids money. That's what they're going to do. Well, the funny thing would be is if, if I'm not saying they will, but the Ivy league, if they put their shoulder behind creating NIL, they could outbid. They could outbid the Big Ten and the SEC together, and Harvard and Yale might actually be a big game again. We've got uh, more to talk uh, about coming up here next. A uh, little NCAA baseball and a fantastic, heartwarming story uh, put out there by one of the best teams in the country. That's next. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Softball, baseball in the championship mode here in June. And Brad, about the Oklahoma softball team, just about as dominant as they come. <laughs> it's insane, isn't it? Oh. I mean, if you can win 50 plus games in a row, that's not, that doesn't happen in these sports. Like, this isn't like in basketball, you know, we talked about UCLA's domination, winning all those games in a row. This is a bat and ball sport where Fluky things happen. It's just a different world. You can't just completely out-athlete and out-dominate, outsize the other team. They're, it's amazing what they're done. They're number one offensive team and the number one defensive team wow. nationally. I mean, it, it's it's great. Patty Gasso, 
is she is the goat of women's softball. You know, there have been others we talked about, Sue Enquist, people in the past, whether it was Mike Candrea, now it's Patty Gasso. Because the competition is also really high because it's like, um, you know, golf today with so many guys. Tiger brought golf. Those people brought it there. Patty Gasso is just on their level because she's beating teams that are really good. It's just amazing. Uh, college baseball, the NCAA uh, College World Series, is in the Super Regional uh, stage this weekend. I don't care for the way things is, have played out here because you have so many um, conference foes playing. Florida is playing South Carolina. Uh, Virginia playing Duke. Kentucky is at LSU. Um, you know that doesn't excite me quite as much. And it's um, you know I, still some great baseball this weekend, but I just would rather see teams not as familiar with each other playing each other. Yeah, in a couple of those cases, they were seated that way by the right. NCAA five twelve. Why not make somebody a thirteen and somebody an eleven? I mean, it does. It's not. It doesn't really in, hurt the integrity of a game when you do that. You could make it so they don't play until the, um, till the uh, college world series if that's the way it works. So yeah, I, I'm not a fan of that. But I'm always college baseball. If you've ever been to whether it's baseball or softball, you've been to the college world series. It's amazing. I mean, it is just a fantastic spectacle. So much fun. Uh, going to Omaha was one of the best things I've ever done going to that College World Series. So if you ever get a chance to go, get there. You know, one of the great stories um, that came out of this really happened off the field. So Indiana State, the Sycamores, uh, they are the, the 14th seed overall, right? And they advanced as they were expected to. Uh, they hosted last weekend's regional in Terre Haute. Well, as um, as the seed, they had the right to host a super regional this weekend. They turned it down and instead they will play at TCU because they had a special Olympics event already scheduled at their stadium. And the athletic director said, you know what? There's no way that we can change venue for them and have the same kind of high quality event. And there's no way that we can go play somewhere else in Terre Haute and have the same high quality event. So we're going to decline and the Special Olympics people there in Terre Haute, in Indiana, they said no one ever came to them and asked them about changing the event. Um, win or lose down in Fort Worth, class, class act, Indiana State, you're a winner. Love this story and what they did to make sure that um, this was the right thing to do. Yeah, I get that. It, I mean, I, I understand. My thing is, this might be the only time Indiana State ever does has a chance to go to the College World Series. I mean, I, I think it's great. Special Olympics. Like I run the, I've run the, helped run Special Olympics uh, here in Springfield, Illinois uh, for a few years and, you know, got volunteers done all these things. I think they're fantastic. I think they could have made it work. I, I think they could have made it work if they were willing to do this. And, and you just don't get this opportunity very often. Um, and if you know your baseball team's going to be this good going into the season, you, you might want to plan ahead. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it, it's a hard one to see. I, I, it's hard for me though to to throw any rocks if if because th that Special Olympics creates such memories for those kids, and if they if there really was going to be a step down for them in the experience, uh, I'll give Indiana State credit, and hopefully the NCAA can remember this maybe at some future point. Well, and this is the NCAA is part of the problem here too because Indiana State can't play anywhere else. Like they can't shift this game to a different locale. They can't go to play at, uh, at Indiana. Let's say University of Indiana. Right. They can't or the, host or it the, there. Or the AAA ballpark. Right. In exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They can't do that. They have to play either on, on their campus or on the other campus. So it's part of the NCAA. It's like when uh, Illinois was, I think Illinois was in the NIT one year and they had to, 
They could they had the circus or something in town. Couldn't host their NIT game. I had to play at Stony Brook. So uh I remember that one. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. But what a story it'll be if they make the college world series, they will be the talk of the town out in Omaha. No question. ESPN will be all over that. So uh keep it here. We've got to pay a couple of bills and we'll talk a little more after this. This is Big Sports Radio. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation 303-957-3092 that's neon rain at 303-957-3092 or visit them at neonrain.com have you ever met a single person in your life that enjoys paying taxes no no one does if you can't sleep at night because you have a huge problem with the irs i've got some free advice for you this service is strictly limited to individuals that owe the irs ten thousand dollars or more in back taxes and if you qualify we can guarantee that you won't be writing a big fat check to the irs or our services cost you nothing the first 100 people that call today will get a free tax consultation worth $500. Stop worrying about your IRS problem. We can help you, we promise. Call the tax doctor right now. I mean right now to learn more. 800-917-8546. 800-917-8546. That's 800-917-8546. We promised it earlier, and now we deliver. Uh, you know, the, the gentleman here who delivered the commentary on this show, uh, Mr. Sturdy and Mr. Kegley, uh, not just sports guys. Uh, they are Renaissance men. Um, they can sing. They can dance. They can choreograph. And, uh, boy, they can detail a car. And they also go out, and they can uh, review movies like there's no tomorrow. And gentlemen, <laughs> I understand there's a big movie that you guys saw this week that I did not. So, Mike, let's start with you. Your thoughts on Spider-Man? Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I I oh. would I would argue this is the second of uh, a three movie series of animated Spider-Man, and it goes and talks about uh, Miles Morales, who is uh, a younger version of a, a Spider-Man, kind of following in Peter Parker's footsteps, and it really gets the multiverse clicking. I think you're really seeing. Um, a, a lot of a, a lot of the multiverse things coming through, um, and and it's a it's definitely gets you to see a variety of different universes and the spider people in those universes, and then the story is pushed around. Um, you know what Miles Morales is dealing with in his life. I thought it was a very, I don't want to spoil things, but I thought it was a very interesting movie. And I thought um, it was the only negative I would say is it it ran for two hours, 20 minutes. They probably could have cut out 15 or 20 minutes of it, but I I had a great time, Brad. How did, what did you think on it? Yeah. So 
I thought it was a good good show. Obviously, it's not as good as the first one because the first one I thought was fantastic. So I I don't know. And the first one ended. That's the only. I'm gonna give one spoiler. The cliffhanger. I sat there for two and hours and twenty minutes, and then it was like, there's no cliff. There's a cliffhanger. There's nothing. We don't have any kind of closure here. So that was my only. Uh, yeah, I. But, I'll be honest with you. I was like. Man, they how are they going to figure this out? They got to wrap this, this up in about the next quick. ten minutes, and there's the credits. Like, and I, that's the second time that I've been caught like that because I try not to watch anything about a movie, yeah, so I don't get it ruined for me. And between Fast X and this one, I had no idea that I was going into a um, Lord of the Rings situation. Yeah, and it was good, but I will say it was good. It really had the characters' arcs are really good. The character storylines are very good. I, I really enjoyed that part of it. The one thing. Um, you know, and I thought it was humor. It's humorous. All these shows are, they're funny. Seeing the other Spider-Mans, the people who are like uh, day-to-day lives and things like that. It was really cool. Um, and I really, I really enjoyed it um, in, from that regard. I just wish, you know, we could have had a little bit of closure. Um, I went to see it with my daughter and, and she, of course, she thought it was great because she really loved the first one too. And so she's ready for the third one. But now I've got to be in the Spider-Verse for another year as I wait for the next one. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. One thing I did like is how they used uh, Spider-Man 2099, which was kind of a, a universe that Marvel tried to start up that just never got any traction. Um, but the the bad guy, Miguel O'Hara, or O'Hara, um, was, was, I thought he was a very interesting character. And the artwork that they used for him was reminiscent of one of my famous, or one of my favorite comic book artists, uh, John Ramita Jr. and I thought the the look that that they gave that character was really cool. And I thought they also, um, you know, you go the whole movie and you're kind of like, who the heck's the bad guy here? And I thought that was kind of fun, where you didn't have the obvious, you know, Thanos at the start that everybody was going to be going up against. And I found that to be kind of entertaining as well. Yeah, I liked it too. The other thing I'd say, Mike, is you kind of look at the bad guy. One of the bad guys wasn't that bad either you know what i mean like right, i mean exactly. one of the guys is it was a, the the uh this is very thanos like when you look at this when you think it the object isn't necessarily the the big when you because they're trying to the bad guy's trying to look at the big picture to a certain extent instead of looking at individual you know and if this happens then so be it and so forth and, and but and he's you know they're living in their own worlds um there so yeah, I think that was very intriguing. I try not to give away too much of the movie, but yeah, you, you kind of get this. It's kind of wild uh, that it was, uh, it's kind of wild the way it plays through that and how, how you learn, you know, who's good, bad, and, and whatever. Yeah, uh, excellent movie. Uh, I would definitely, you know, give that review that, that for, you know, you can take kids to it. Um, didn't think there was anything that was bad. And, and the, mm-hmm. the the theater we went to where there was a ton of kids, they seem to really have, a uh, a great time and they were engaged the whole movie so we didn't have kids like spoiling it either because so, they were actually watching the movie so here's here's my funny story about the movie so you talk about kids being there so i walk into the movie and there's there's people sitting in our seats and of course this is the one where you buy your reserved seats right and so there's people sitting in the seats and i go um he goes well, i'm in the right seats i'm in you know c11 and 12 and he shows me his phone he was one day earlier, so he missed his. He actually was supposed to be there the night before. <laughs> Wrong day. Yeah. He went. So they get up, like, and they're laying back in their recliners. They get up and they spill their popcorn everywhere. 
I mean, it was just a mess. It was these, this couple on a date, and it was like, man, I bet that's their last date. <laughs> yeah, and Brad caused it. You know, and, and one I get blamed for everything. One one final thing for those who like Rick and Morty, um, their their writing and their multiverse that they have on that show has kind of got into Marvel and it's permeated throughout entertainment. So if you don't like a Morty uh, a, a multiverse, blame that on Rick and Morty. Now blame it on Brad. You 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 missed the and message. Brad just too. Try to just do it. <laughs> just blame for me. So I, I take I got broad shoulders, baby. That's right. Well, coming out, the retired star athlete who uh, may be making a run for Congress. And uh, when asking your sports idol for a picture turns into marriage. That's next. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News & World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-613-8053-800-613-8053-800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. NBA Finals continuing, guys. And, uh, you know, Nikola Jokic, I mean, what more can you say? That game he had the other night was just outstanding. Yet another triple-double. He's just fantastic. I mean, he just does everything. And and he's still in the prime of his career, and he has many years left. And he's a guy who's not going to, like, lose athleticism and slow down because he's already slow. So he doesn't have a, doesn't have to worry about that, but he's what do you have? 32, 21 and 10 first guy in history to do that. And then his teammate, Jamal Murray throws up a triple double 34, 10 and 10. So that's not bad. That's not bad from those two guys, but Joker is so much fun to watch. He just dissects the other team. And and of course the knock is, you know, well, you got a big guy. You can't defend on the other end, pick and roll in today's basketball because, you know, they'll do this and that seems to be doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell you the the uh, never had two players from the same team had a 30 point triple doubles in the same game until that game. And obviously the never done in the regular season playoffs and certainly not in the finals. Question I have for you, Brad, is I go back and I think about when you look at Jokic with his size and the weight that he carries around, I'm not sure anybody outside of Shaq could cause him many problems because, you know, the, the centers of the past aren't heavy enough to post him up. And, and yeah. you know, it, it, it's he's kind of a new world order. Yeah, he really is. I, I think that, you know, you, you mentioned Shaq. The only other guy I could see, like, matching up with him just because of his crazy athleticism and strength would be like a – a Wilt Chamberlain type. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yep. those guys are just, and when we talk about Wilt and Shaq, we are talking about freaks of nature, right? Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So, um, you know, maybe like an Akeem would give him problems with his quickness. I don't know. But I mean, this guy is just good. He's just really good. I mean, 
how many guys win back-to-back MVPs and now they're on the, you know, on the precipice of winning a, a, an NBA title. And he's just, he's just fantastic. He didn't win the MVP year, this year because, well, we gave it to him two years in a row. Let's get yeah. somebody else yeah. now, you know? So yeah, he's just, he's dominant. It's fun to watch. Yeah. Fun to watch. Great player. And, uh, and a fun series too. Like we've said before, only the third time in the last 25 years, we've got a final without LeBron Curry. Kobe or Duncan. Uh, another legend back in the news, uh, Steve Harvey, the longtime Dodger first baseman uh, in his seventies. I don't know why he'd want to do this. His hair still hasn't moved since the seventies, um, but he now is reportedly considering a run for us Senate. That's wild. I mean, you know, I guess these guys must get bored in their, in their, in their free time. Eh, I'm a little bored. I think I'll run for Senate. Of course. Then they look at the people who are in politics. They go from like being semi-rich to really rich. After they get in the, in the, into the, into the government, I, I'm sure that's just coincidence that it always happens, you know? Um, but yeah, no, it's pretty good. I, I will say my Steve Garvey, I go back to him. I remember that Dodgers team in 77 when they had four guys at 30 home runs with, was it Reggie Smith and Ron say yeah. Dusty Baker and Steve Garvey, I think all hit 30 plus. Homers. That's right. Yeah. And, and he's 74. So I personally am looking for another 80 year old in Washington. We Yay. need more of those. Well, we need more of those for sure. He's, he's young. <laughs> that is true. He's young. Yeah. We compare him to the other people in there. He's like, you know, you got yeah, Chuck exactly. Grassley and Nancy Pelosi and Joe yeah. Biden and, you know, formerly Donald Trump. They're old. Yeah, he's old. Like young nine, whippersnapper. Five? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, hey, college football, uh, get this in very quickly. Uh, the SEC making some uh, some noise that they're actually going to increase the fines and add security measures to try to stop fans from storming onto the field or the court. Now those fines can go up to $500,000 for repeat offenders. It's a lot of coin. Yeah, it's just, here's the thing. Just the fans want to storm the court. Just make it work so they can storm the court. There are methods they can do. There are things they can do. Delay the court storming a little bit. You know, let the kids get off. Let them storm this and storm here, whatever. Don't let them get over by the bench, whatever. There's a million things they can do to make this work. And then you throw in football. Get them off the field when they storm. Let them storm at the other end. There's, it's easy to do this. One of the things about college sports is this. It has to be fun. It's fun, right? I mean, this is fun. Pulling the upset. You know, this is part of it. And and they just it's like that don't become the NFL where it's a no fun league back in the day. Remember they used to have the no fun league, didn't let people celebrate. And guess what? Now they let people celebrate. It's okay. Well, and, okay. and the other thing is, is what what are you gonna do? You know, if you've got fifteen thousand people who want to storm a court or a football field, we keep putting our first responder and police in these impossible situations, like, hey, you seven guys. Stop them. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I mean, what do you want? Do you want policemen out there in riot gear? And yeah, I mean, at yeah. some point you've just got to try to protect the players and then let the, let the people go out and, and hopefully it's a spontaneous, have some fun. It'd be like uh, taking care of the bonus army back in the day with Herbert Hoover. How'd that work out? <laughs> <laughs> you got to get this really quickly. We teased it earlier. Uh, Garbine uh, Muguruza. I'm not terribly familiar with her. I should know because she's a two-time Grand Slam champion, a uh, great tennis player. Uh, got engaged to a fan who asked for a selfie uh, of her in New York City, and that uh, sparked the romance, and now they're engaged. There's still hope for all of us then. <laughs> That's all you got to do. Brad is going to be 
Brad is going to be going around to Jennifer Aniston and a, <laughs> a whole boatload of Hollywood starlets asking for selfies. There you go. Can I get a I'm selfie? In, I'm in Anaheim next week, so there we go. <laughs> Little, uh, by the way, Jennifer Aniston is going to be out of the country next week. We've just got the news blast. <laughs> we got to call it there. It's uh, always been a lot of fun to talk with you guys for the past two hours. We appreciate our guests who came by. I appreciate you for stopping by as well. Be sure to see us again, listen to us again right here same place, same station next week. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy this great weather. And hopefully you're not in a part of the country that uh, looks like it's uh, out of a horror film with uh, all that fog and what out the smoke from Canada. Get away from here. Get the smoke out of here. For Brad, for Mike, I'm Larry. Take care. We'll see you next time. This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports LLC and Revision Sound. We'll be back next week on Big Sports Radio Network.